0: Have we lost touch with what's real? I can tell you that as we move into 2020, there's a lot of things we, we want to reconnect. There are other elements we'd like to lose touch with, things we wanna leave in the rear view mirror. Um, as we prepare for a brand new year, already we've been thinking of what we're gonna do, how we're gonna do it, when we're gonna get it done. And so I wanna just start today uh, with a, a very simple question. And the question is whether, you, whether you've been serving Christ for a long time, whether you're dipping your toe in the water of discovering what Jesus is all about, whether it's been a while since you've been in church and you're back trying to figure out some new habits. I just want us to start with a, an inventory. Um, and, and basically, it, it's, we do that inventory with this question. Here it is. How was last year? How was last year? Now, for some of you, you say, man. Man. Last year, what, it was incredible. I mean, it's hard for me me even to look at 2020 because when I think of 2019, I think, man, it can't get no better than 2019. And others of you are like, meh, meh. 2019 was okay, but you are just glad that it's over. And others of you, you're dealing with maybe the fallout of 2019. Maybe 2019 brought some very tough things. And you are in a position now where you're just hoping to make it through 2020. I would say that all of us, we would hope that 2020 could be a better year. Whether you think it can't get any better, you would still love for it to be better. But the the truth is, uh, a perfect year isn't possible. We'd love everything to go the way we wish it could go, get that promotion, I'm gonna, gonna uh, lose that weight, I'm gonna save a bunch of money on my car insurance by switching to Geico, gonna, gonna do all these things. I'm about to have a perfect year. It's gonna be a perfect year. A perfect year isn't possible, but a better one is. A, a better one is. And I wanna tell you that as we gear up towards 2020, it's right here upon us um, I wanna tell you, you're not the first generation, you're not the first year that's ever said, man, let's make the most of it. In fact, when you back up the clock all the way to the time where Jesus was in the flesh, He was and he is and he is to come. He's been since the beginning of time. But there was a a very small section of eternity where Jesus became flesh and lived among us. And he did that on purpose to become uh, aware and for you to know and you to be aware that he's willing to go through real life. So that you, when you go through real life, he understands what you're going through. He went through all the pain, all the testing. So you know you're not alone when you go through it. For those thirty, mid-30, 30-some years that he was on the planet in the flesh, uh, he had a good news that he shared. That you didn't have to live that old, crusty life, that you could live a better one. And his his story of the kind of life that you could live was, was an abundant life. And so sure enough, people began to hear his messages. He would cross the countryside in the Middle East and they would begin to follow him. Jesus didn't have just 12 disciples. He had hundreds of disciples. It were those 12 that were the most loyal, faithful leaders of leaders, but he had hundreds of disciples 72 went two by two to different towns sharing the good news. 12 were, were close. Three were the closest he was, was with. There was one that was so close that when he died, as he was dying on the cross, he said to this closest one, John, he said, Hey, take care of my mom. So he understood friendships and relationships and all kinds of people saying, Ooh, that life he's talking about, I'd like to follow, I'd like to have that life. But the problem was, as he began to preach that, The more in-depth he got, the harder it was to follow, but starting was always hot. In fact, we read about a story in Luke chapter 9 of some men that were following Jesus, and they haven't decided whether they were going to go all in or not with him, and so they begin to get excited. It's that that beginning of the year, you know, like going to get in the gym, and then it's like March 7th. It's like, boy, that was fun, (laughs) You know, when I did that the first two weeks of January, you know, you look back and you say, oh, that got harder than I expected. Well, Jesus kind of unravels, um, reveals to us that kind of thought in this story in Luke chapter 9. And it says it like this, on the road, someone asked if he could go along. Hey, Jesus, I'll go with you wherever, he said. Basically, Jesus, may I hear what you're saying, Right or die for life, for life, look, look, I got the tattoo, JC. I'm in, I'm in it to win it, Jesus. And here's how Jesus responds. Jesus is like, yeah, 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 high five. No, 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 here's what the Bible says. Jesus was curt. Curt, if you don't understand what that means, it, it, the, 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 the Webster's definition is briefly rude. <laughs> like, very short and to the point. Jesus was curt. And he said, well, are you ready to rough it? You sure, cowboy? We're not staying in the best ends, you know. In other words, this ain't gonna be all, you know, taking a, a, a to-go box from Red Lobster and feeding thousands on a hillside. This isn't, this isn't gonna be all walk on water and turning water into wine, you know. There's is, this is gonna be some tough things we're getting ready to go through. Are, are you sure about this? You're excited, but do you really know what it's gonna take Follow me, and so he goes on with the conversation. He turns after he's curt with this gentleman, he turns over here and he says to another, Follow me. He invites them back then and us today, Follow me. But sure enough, that guy that he said, Follow me to, he said, Well, certainly, certainly, but 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 but, but, but first. Excuse me for a couple of days, okay? <laughs> yeah, please, okay, because uh, I got to make arrangements for my father's funeral. That's a pretty intense deal. I've walked with people through those moments. It's tough. And so you would think that the next scripture would be Jesus saying, "Oh, hey, oh, I'm sorry. Is there anything I can do? What can I do to help? And do you have everything you need?" But Jesus doubles down. This 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 is interesting. Jesus doubles down and he refuses. He says, no, first things first. Your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. You need to announce God's kingdom. Then another said, I'm ready to follow you, master. You know, they're listening to this whole exchange. Ooh, ooh, me, me, me. I'm ready to follow you, master. But then that guy says, but first, excuse me, while I go get things straightened out at, at home. Do you know I hear this as a pastor? People think that before they can get back into church, they gotta straighten their life out. They, 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 they gotta straighten some th- stuff up with the marriage. Had, had a family come in one time, haven't seen them in a while. One of my pastors said to them, man, haven't, where have you been? Haven't seen you in a while. Welcome back. I said, our marriage was going through some trouble, so we just, we just haven't been coming. And my, you know, my, one of my pastors on staff said, that's the best time to come. That's the best time to come. So Jesus says to him, I, I got to go straighten some things out at home real quick and then I'll, and then I'll do it, okay? Hey, you know what, Jesus, I'm going gonna- I'm gonna to put you first in my finances, but I got to get that promotion first. I- I'm going to get out of debt first. Uh, Jesus, I'm going to put Sunday, Sunday's fun day, Sunday's serve day, Sunday's worship day. But, but first, I got to, like, you know, the kids got to get out of the house because it's crazy. Monday through Friday school, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's crazy. It's the only time I have at it home. It's my Home Depot trip on Sunday so I can get some stuff done at the house. You know how things pile up, Jesus. Jesus says, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Carpe diem, seize the day. Now, Jesus doesn't say seize this season. He doesn't say seize the year. He does say don't procrastinate. Don't look back. Let's go. Let's go. Now, this feels curt, doesn't it? It does feel briefly like, whoa, but Jesus, these guys had real lives, and you're expecting them to just drop everything, and God's kingdom isn't going to wait? Well, here's what Jesus is saying. Basically, Jesus is saying the same thing. You you may not have had what they were dealing with, but here's what Jesus is saying. There's always something. There's always gonna be something that you can cite that's gonna hold you back from doing or becoming what God has called you to do or God has called you to become. There's always gonna be another catastrophe, another tragedy, another wound, another hurt, another issue, another job, another promotion, another relational tension. There's always going to be something. And he says, he says, go back to that scripture, you can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. If they're putting God's kingdom off, hey, who's the king in God's kingdom? Who's the king in God's kingdom? Okay, say it loud. Who's the king in God's kingdom? Yeah, yeah. God, Jesus, his son, they rule. But, but here's why they're putting off God's kingdom, because they had their own kingdom they had to deal with. So the the reason they were saying no to God's kingdom is because they needed to deal with their own kingdom. And what Jesus invites us into is for him to become the king of our kingdom, to not just be the king of God's kingdom, but let his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that, That we would take ourselves off of the throne of our hearts Invite him to be the ruler of our hearts, that his kingdom would be our kingdom, that we would be all about what he wants first. Because the truth is, there's always something. But Jesus gives us a beautiful reality mixed all in this. Okay? And if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Because this is really the crux of where we're going to be headed over the next, just the next three or four weeks in the month of January. I'm going to give you some nuts and bolts, simple, practical, handlebars, but we're going to also dive deep into the, 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 the spiritual meat that God wants us to move from milk into meat. He wants you to take another step. He wants you to climb a little higher. He wants you to get a little bolder. He wants you to get a little stronger. It all starts here. Following Jesus will make my life better and make me better at life. It's not about getting all your ducks in a row that will make your life better. Jesus says, follow me. Because he's saying basically to the guy who's like, hey, I got to go t- take care of my father's funeral. That sounds very insensitive to Jesus. But the truth is that guy, if, if his dad is already dead, what's he doing on the road? He, 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 that's not really what's keeping him. He's making excuses. If he needed to take care of stuff at home, why is he with Jesus right now? Because he's making excuses. Following Jesus, though, it will help you when you have to deal with funeral arrangements. Following Jesus gives you the capacity to be able to face things you thought you could never face because you were going to face them alone. But with Jesus, when you follow Jesus, you're never alone facing anything. In another passage, Jesus says it like this. I have come that they may have life. They, meaning you. He's talking about everybody, humanity. I've come not just to show you what you did wrong. I didn't come to be a bully to you. I didn't come to take all your fun away and you can't laugh anymore and can't have a good time. And once you get saved, you're like, well, bless God, I guess I'll have to suffer for Jesus until heaven. Uh, This is just, you know, I'll fly away some glad morning. But in the meantime, in the meantime, it's just like, oh, Jesus, no fun unless I'm laughing at the devil. You want to live your best life? Living my best life? Following Jesus will help you live your best life and make you better at the life he's called you to live. So many people think that he's out to steal stuff from you. No, the enemy's out to steal, kill, and destroy I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Not, not to the extreme, like, you know, like a redneck jumping a four-wheeler over a barn extreme. He's talking about full, good, lots of goodness and mercy following you. Lots of presence of him in the middle of your enemies. Lots of walking through valleys of shadows of death, but you're never alone, and you can have it to the And so when we think of a full life, there are many components to that, and and here are just some of them. The financial side of your life, following Jesus will make your life better, make you better at life when it comes to finances, when it comes to relational aspects of your life, things that can get better, relationships that have been twisted, relationships that maybe have been broken. They can get better. The physical side of your life, your body is is considered the temple of the Holy Spirit, Um, Physical stuff matters. It matters. A career, what you're doing, how you're leveraging your giftings and your strength. You may be a career mom. You may be a career leader, a career manager. You may be shifting careers. You may be in between careers. You may be figuring out what your career is gonna be. You may not have a clue about career, but I'm telling you career is a part of your life. And Jesus came so that there may be life and you can have it to the full. I'm not talking about have it to the perfect but better is possible, better is possible. So when you think about these areas, relational, physical, financial, career, spiritual, maybe think about a a, a rating scale of one to 10. 10 being woo, hot, uh, basically I'm like, you know, I'm like Jesus. One being like, ah, I'm not good. (laughs) This is, this is like terrible, okay? Maybe give yourself a, a grade between these aspects of your life and to the full. Financially, where there's more month left at the end of the money, where you're, you don't know where your money's going, but it's going somewhere. It ain't going into the bank, I can tell you that. Relationally, things are tense at home or at work, like everybody's against me. My wife's against me. My, my coworkers are against me. The police are against me pastor's against me. Maybe there's a common denominator in there, bucko. Maybe, maybe, maybe you got a, a wrong perspective. The physical, you don't wanna, you wanna set that goal and do it. Promotion, you name it, spiritual, but pause for just a second. I've actually, I've done you a disservice because this isn't the, an accurate list. This, this is actually wrong. And, and, and mo- to be honest with you, most everybody that would look at this screen and they would look at all of these things, it seems to make sense. Of course we would want to see God move in all of these deals. But can I tell you there's one thing that's very wrong with this picture. It's very wrong. And it's this. Spiritual shouldn't be a category up there because everything in your life is spiritual. And what happens is we look at our finances here. We look at our relationships here. I need me a man. I'm going to go wherever I can to be a man. It's Saturday night. Don't believe me. Just watch. But then on Sunday, you're like, I got to get my praise on. You cannot compartmentalize spirituality. Following Jesus doesn't mean doesn't mean reading your Bible, praying. But then when it comes to like your finances, I'm gonna have to figure it out. When it comes to your relationships, I'm just being me, baby. When it comes to your career, like I'm just trying to get that J-O-B, I'm just trying to get that, money, get that Cheddar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. It's all spiritual. Following Jesus makes you a better steward when you put him first in your finances. Following Jesus makes you better to be around, more enjoyable to be around in your relationships. Following Jesus helps you understand what it looks like to be a man of integrity, a woman of integrity, somebody who's on time to work, someone who the, their boss looks at them and says, man, I see. And it's not just trying to get a promotion, but they see you and there's favor on your life. Why? Because following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. So, so if you wrote those down, scratch out that last one and, and let me just, let, let me have you put this. Just put soul care. Because I will tell you, your time with Jesus matters. This, this, Nacogdoches, Duncan and Dieball. Th- what we're doing right now is not getting our church on. This is soul care. Now you may have walked into church today saying, 2020, I'm, almost, I'm gonna get into the habit. I can already tell, like, attendance is up from last week, <laughs> like, big time. Like, bless God, I'm gonna end 2019. <laughs> time to get back in church. <laughs> attendance is up, baby. That's awesome. That's great. This isn't about attendance, it isn't about you coming to church, it's about your soul. God cares about your, your soul. Your mind, your will, your emotions, and soul care has to do with dedicating your focus to following Jesus, to allowing him to be throughout, throughout your convictions, your character. Somebody is bored. <laughs> you you didn't hear it in Agadoches, but there's crick a guy's got a cell phone that's got crickets on it. You know, you know you're preaching good. You know you're preaching good. When in the middle of preaching, like cricket, 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 <laughs> might as well add in a. <laughs> I'm kidding. If Jesus is calling, you take the call. <laughs> Otherwise, do not disturb. Okay. And so we think of these, these elements in our life. I just want to tell you do not compartmentalize your relationship with Jesus. Let everything. Come out of your relationship with Jesus. Let everything come out. The fullness of life comes out with soul care, with putting Jesus in the center of your life. You don't get things right financially and then start following Jesus. It ain't gonna happen like that. You you got it out of order. It's broken if you think that. It starts with Jesus. Let everything flow out of that reality you know there's also a normal question that we ask and a better a better question that we ask when we're in the middle of all these thoughts on on a new year resolutions becoming resolving to do this or resolving to do that and listen I know that in the room there there's a couple categories there are people that are goal setters in our, in our different locations. Goal setters, baby. Flip chart, whiteboard, reading it, marking it down, post-it notes on the mirror. And then there are those of you that are what we would call not goal setters. Do you know what happens usually when those groups get together? They get married. You got kids, goal setter. Other one's like, Let's just live it up. Come on, this room—it don't matter. It's gonna get dirty tomorrow, Dad. That's one of my kids. It's just gonna get dirty tomorrow. What's the point in cleaning it up? I got another child. It's like I've got to get to bed at eight forty, or I'm not gonna be my best tomorrow. <laughs> the normal question that we ask when we're setting up New Year's is. What do I want to get done? Like, what do I want to accomplish? How much weight do I want to lose? How much money do I want to save? I want to prepare for retirement. That's a good question. It's a, nor- it's a normal question. What do you want to get done? Set some goals. That's okay. Let me tell you the, the, the better question. Because this whole year, we're just going I'm not asking you to get perfect. I'm going to ask you to take 10 steps. I'm saying, let's take more steps. Let's take next steps. And let's get Let's just get better, let's get a little better. You don't have to be a lot better, but you can't stay where you are. It's okay for you to be where you are right now. It's not okay to be where you are right now next year. It's not okay to stay this way. Let's go together, let's take next steps. The better question is, who do I wanna become? In 2020, who do I want to become? Let me tell you how this works when you think of financial I wanna save some money for retirement. That's what I wanna get done. But when you ask the better question, who do I wanna become, you start thinking, I wanna be the person who's able to be present with my grandkids. In order for that to happen, I can't work this job until I'm 97. So because I wanna become a grandparent that's present, I will get done these things. I will prepare these things. I wanna become someone who models a healthy life. So because I wanna become that person, it is gonna affect my relationships, my physical, my career. Who do I want to become is the much better question than what do I wanna get done? And so the rest of the time we have, I wanna give you a principle that you can apply right now. You, you don't even have to be a Christian to apply this principle. In fact, if you're just visiting because you're still in town for Christmas and you're here and you don't, you know, this whole Jesus thing, you, know, you, don't, you, you, can, uh, you can apply this. You don't even have to get saved today. You're welcome. I want to tell you, your life will never be the same when you put Jesus in the center of it. But there, there are practical pieces you can go help people with today, and I hope you'll take notes and use it like that. But I also wanna tell you, if you're a Christ follower, though, you can't opt out of these things. Jesus, Jesus doesn't want to just nudge us. He wants to be curt today. I believe Jesus wants to be to the point today. It's time to get better. It's time to get better. Regardless of where it is, you can get better. Jesus is not asking you to be perfect. He wants you to get better, so I'm going to give you a principle. I'm going to give you a problem. I'm going to give you a promise, and I'm going to give you a prayer. (laughs) Pray, pee, 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 pee. Principle, problem, promise, and a prayer. Sounds like a sermon. It is. Here's a principle. Here's the principle. It's what we're going to call the consistency effect. The consistency effect. The more popular word during a new year, gonna get it, let's go baby, let's make it happen, let's set some goals, The more popular word is commitment. It's time to get committed. Commit for 30 days. Commit to buying this seven-minute ab workout on on television and your abs will look like that guy who's been in the gym for six hours a day for the last 12 years. But all you have to do is put on the ab shocker and for six minutes a day, before you know it, you're gonna look like Schwarzenegger, baby. No, it's gonna burn your skin. True story. I put it on. Ah! 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 Committed, committed, not consistent. So write this down. Commitment gets me to the starting line. I'm gonna run a marathon this year, and I'm not saying that just as, a, as a, when I was 35, I, I ran my last marathon. It's been five years. I, uh, f- frankly. Um, I think because of some uh, emotional stuff, some stress stuff, even some spiritual things, that last five years, since 35 to, to 39, man, I, 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 let some th- I, I lost some consistency in my life. I gained some weight. My attitude got a little sour in some areas. I, I mean, I, 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 guess it's, I guess I shouldn't be, pastors aren't supposed to be real people, I guess. Um, is it okay to be transparent with you? Now, I'm not going to be so transparent with you. Like, I'm going to have some tint on the glass, okay? There's some things just me and my wife talk about, all right? You ain't getting into that convo. <laughs> but, man, I was, I, was, I was struggling. I was struggling. And I had to take some steps to regain some health and some spiritual vitality. And even the deacon team last year, um, a group of men who um, served me and served this church, as our trustees and our deacons they they said we want you to take time every year to get away from the church so you can just stay we want you to stay healthy and boy what a what a gift that is and i'm i'm not you know i could be prideful and say "Ah, i won't need that i'm gonna take them up on the offer is that okay with you i want to stay healthy and i don't want to get back to the point where i was hurting and as much as i love i feel like god's called me to do what i'm doing There were conversations I was having with my wife, like, I wonder if there's other things I could do with my life, because it's just the stress and the the responsibilities and the time, and I know some of you think, what does a pastor do all all week long, like crossword puzzles and pray? (laughs) Sit in my shoes for for a week, and I'll show you. Our team, the highs and the lows, the goods and the bads, and the ugly. Um, Commitment gets me to the starting line. I'm going to run a marathon this year, but committed to say I'm going to run a marathon this year don't mean I can get up onto the starting line, but consistency gets me to the finish line. See, you may say I can never run a marathon. Yeah, you could. I'm telling you, you may have to walk it. You may have to walk it, but if you would be consistent, it takes about 16 16 weeks to train for one. You could do, I'm telling you, you could do it. You'd be shocked at what you could do with consistency because this is the consistency effect. Here's the principle I'm trying to talk to you about, Okay. Here, here's the consistency. Write it down. Small things consistently over time lead to big things. This is positive and negative. It is a principle that can be applied to your life in a wonderful way and in a terrible way. Small things consistently over time lead to big things. Let's look at it this way. Peter Bach, who's an economist and, and wrote a book on some stuff on investment, investments and things. He talked about a latte. Every single day, like a grande latte, costs $3.50. A little bit more, actually, if you get it from Starbucks. Um, we're 20 cents cheaper at Cafe Aroma. <laughs> Here in the Lufkin location. $3.50 every day. If you were to take that and instead put it in a medium yield mutual fund of 5 or 6%, after 30 years, that $3.50 a day becomes $106,000. Dollars. Now, some of you see that and you say, I would have to give up lattes for 30 years. It's not worth it. <laughs> I'm just telling you small things consistently over time become big things. That would be a positive thing. Um, let, let, let me show it to you this way. That same $3.50, that, grand, that grande white mocha, the calories, if you drink one every single day in one year, That's 28 pounds worth of calories. You're welcome. You're welcome. Some of you are thinking, oh, that's how I lose my 28 pounds this year. Well, if you're drinking a latte every single day and it's a grande white mocha, yeah, that's one way you could drop 28 pounds out of your caloric intake. Small things consistently over time lead to big things. Negative words consistently over time make you a critical person you become a big old critic. Encouraging words consistently over time, you become an encourager. This is why many times it's too little too late when a father or mother at, at a hard time in a relationship with a son or a daughter, they say, I've been meaning to tell you this for a long time but here, I'm sorry. Well, sometimes it's too little too late. You know why? because that big announcement doesn't take away all these other small little deposits that have happened or not happened over time. Small things consistently over time will lead to big things. This morning, before I went out to to work out, I took a before picture. When I got home today, I took an after picture. Can you believe the difference? Of course you cannot believe the difference because there is no difference except maybe I'm smiling a little bit in one of them. Why? Because one trip to the gym, don't do anything, but small things consistently over time lead to big things. It leads to big things. Let me, let me show you in another way. Let me, let me show it to you this way. So when you consider your life when I think of what Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that you might have life and have it to the full, I think of this jar of marbles. This is what we want our life to be like financially, career, relationally, soul care. We want our life to look like this. And maybe some of you came in and truth be told, it doesn't look anything like that. In fact, it looks or feels empty. Now to give you the benefit of the doubt, maybe some of you, you don't feel empty You've got, you got some good things going. You've you, you got, some, ni- you got some, some nice things. You forgot about this relationship over here. And <laughs> you pick it back up. It's good. It's good. Small things consistently over time lead to big things. So what we want to do at, at the beginning of the new year, oh, P90X. Dream! And what we want to do is we want fast results in minimal time. We want big things with no time to yield big results. And that can happen. That can happen. It's not very sustainable. The consistency effect says that I'm just going to get up at a specific time every morning for the next 21 days. For the next 21 days, I am going to be consistent with doing what I said I'm going to do. And just a little bit at a time, I'm going to add those encouraging words. A little bit at a time, I'm going to be wise with my words, and I'm not going to fly off the handle and say whatever the first thing comes to my mind. You know what my wife had to say to me the other day? Sometimes I feel like you think I'm against you. I can, I, there's no way I'm against you. I'm probably the, the person that's the most for you. But sometimes when I respond to her, I'm, my first reaction can be like you're critiquing me or you're against me. And it, it's not true. And so instead of just saying, okay, well, I'll never do that again because <laughs> then I become a liar. I'm trying to consistently think and remember my wife, there is no reason why she would be against me. She's actually out to help me. And if I remember that in a conversation, consistently over time, that becomes so true that I don't even have to think about it because it's become part of who I am. I could bore you to death by trying to take every pebble out of here and put it in this one. (laughs) But do you get the picture, everybody? Consistently over time, this thing would fill up. This, This would fill up. And the life you thought you never could have, you can have if you follow him first and then figure out consistency. Small things over time lead to big things. But what? Eat! screech, hold it, stop, back up the truck. There's a problem. We got a problem. And here's the problem that we all face. Um, uh, uh, How many of you in our locations, how many of you are breathing right now? Okay, you face this problem. For those of you breathing, you face this problem. And it's called this, it's the weakness wake up call. Because when we look at that list of the financial and the relational and the physical and the career and the soul care, we realize that there are areas we're not honest with ourselves, honest with God, honest with one another. There's things we're lacking in. Oh, we wish we could get so much better. And, and, And here's the truth. Just write it down somewhere in your notes. When we identify an area of improvement, we're often also identifying an area of weakness. So, so when you want to improve in something, I'm going to improve in my uh, health, in my physical. I'm going to lose weight. You identify that, right? You're probably identifying an area of weakness of eating habits. So, so it always connects. Financially, ugh, I haven't saved for retirement. It could be that you are spending more than you're making or that you don't have a mechanism set up to say no when you really need to say no. And weakness is a reality of all humanity. You know what? I love? love the Bible. Not only is it God's breathed word, but it's full of people who are not perfect, chasing after God. But it's actually full of people who are imperfect, running from God, who God gives second and third and twelve chances to. Like all kinds of weak people. And it starts all the way in the garden. Adam, he's a blame shifter. I didn't eat the fruit. She gave it to me. I was just like, "Oh, it looks good." Eve, she couldn't control her appetite. She was just like totally, you know, willing, susceptible to temptation. The very first child they had, Cain, he became a murderer. Noah built an ark over decades. And then when he gets done, he gets a, a vineyard, builds a vineyard, gets drunk, and he's not supposed to be drunk. You ought not be drunk. He gets drunk. You see it all throughout, all throughout the scripture. Solomon a bunch of wives and a thousand concubines, a thousand mistresses for sexual gratification. He was a sex addict. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Samson was a womanizer. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. It's all in there. It's all in there. The apostle Paul, who, who wrote more letters in the New Testament than any other author... He, he recognizes that he had some weaknesses. He called it his thorn in his flesh. And the the uh, original language of the word thorn, you find this interesting. He was a bivocational pastor who was a tent maker and also a traveling evangelist and missionary apostle. But the word for thorn is also the word for tent stake. And he understood as a tent maker, a tent stake, you, you put it in there, you, you drive it down deep. And he said, I've got a tent stake in my flesh. I've got something that's driven down in here deep and I wish, I've asked Jesus to remove it. There's a lot of speculation on what it is. We don't know exactly what it is. But it's a thorn in the flesh nonetheless. Paul, who's like, gives us the New Testament that, that Jesus empowering Paul is the primary reason that you and I are in America worshiping Jesus because of the traveling work of Paul to the different churches across the Middle East. And now we are here because of the message of Jesus? Wow. And Paul had it, and, and he talks about his thorn. And here's what he says. He says, for when I'm weak, that thorn in my flesh, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now that's, that sounds, what? That sounds like completely opposite. It's, it's an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? Like jumbo shrimp. It's an oxymoron. It's two things that don't make sense together. Pretty ugly. Oxymoron. Cowboys, playoffs. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's why I have fights with my wife right there. (laughs) For when I'm weak, I'm strong. Yeah, I know it doesn't make sense. But you know the kingdom of God is like, it doesn't make sense. Follow me and like everything... You'll, you'll have the strength you need to, to know what to do in funerals and make it through this tough thing and stuff at home. Yeah, follow me. I know it doesn't. I know. But when you're weak, I'm strong. When you're weak, then, then I'm strong. Because how many people are living in their own strength and they never tap into the strength of God because they got it on their own? So how did he get there? How did Paul get here? As we finish up today, let me give you this scripture. If you back up, if you rewind just a couple of verses up here. You, you get to this point. And Paul says, God, here's what God said to me about my thorn, about, about this tent stake in my side. Here's what, here's what God said to me. He, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. In fact, this year, one of our sermons, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you how to personalize scripture, how to memorize scripture, personalize it, meditate on it, and, and, and help you. I want, I want you, I, whether you, whether you read the Bible through this year, I I honestly, you may not, maybe you don't want to hear your pastor say that. I don't care. I don't care whether you read the Bible through in a year. That's a great goal. I, I want you to become who the Bible says you can become. So if you read through the Bible, but you're still the same, something's not right. You're not becoming who God's called you to be. I don't want you to get through the Bible. I want the Bible to get through you. I want the Bible to get through you this year. And if it's just a few scriptures this year, I want you to know, as long as it gets through you, it's okay. Stop setting a goal for the last seven years that you haven't accomplished. Become the person you wanna become and start somewhere. And one of those ways is just personalizing. My grace is sufficient for you, Susie. My grace is sufficient for you, Jeremy. Personalize the scripture. Know that Jesus wants to speak to you through it. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wow, that's so cool. Let's, let's dive into one little principle in here. Therefore, how did Paul get there? I'm gonna boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Anybody love a person, love hanging out with somebody who's prideful and loves to boast all the time? Oh, yeah, well, here's what I did. Oh, you caught that fish? Well, when I was fishing, I caught this fish. Oh, oh, well, you did that? Well, I ran around. Oh, you're going to do a marathon? Well, I did it in eight minutes. You're going to do nine minutes? I did it in eight minutes. (laughs) Just recently having a conversation with someone, oh, I am so great. I am so wonderful. I am so great. They're having this conversation with me. And I was like, yeah, you are. You really are. I'm just laying it on them. This This sounds oxymoronic. It sounds upside down, but it's the kingdom of God. And so here's a principle. If you're gonna boast, if you're gonna boast, boast. He says boast in my weaknesses. Jeremy, I'm a leader. I've got several employees under me that I manage. If I start boasting in my weaknesses, they're gonna know my weaknesses. (laughs) They already know them. (laughs) They already know your issues. You think you're hiding it? Ah! No, you got issues, bro. You got issues, sis. But when we can humble ourselves and boast, oh, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I was. I'm not where I want to be. I'm, man, I want to go further. When we can boast in the reality of, "Ugh, I want to get better at that. I want to get better at that. I'm not, you know what? I, I, I did, I do. I, I, need to, I need to trust the words of my wife more. Ugh. I hate to say it out loud, but I need to do that. Right? And she's like, mm, amen. <laughs> let's go back to the scripture. Let's look at another piece. Let's, let's, let's hone in and highlight another one. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So if, if you're going to have a strategy that Paul had to understand that when I'm weak, I'm actually strong, then you're going to need to access the grace of God. And you know, how you, ask, you know you, how you access the grace of God? Ask for help. Ask Jesus for help. As a pastor, this is one of those twisted things that doesn't make any sense, but I hear it all the time. Hundreds of times a year, I'm I hear it all the time. People that accept Christ, that are following Christ, they're not perfect, but they're following, they will say stuff like this. As a Christian, I know I shouldn't be struggling with this, but this is what I'm struggling with. No, as a human, you struggle with stuff. And when you bow in need of Christ, he can give you strength in your weaknesses, but it doesn't make you perfect. There are struggles that you will face. There are struggles that I face. And because we think that the Christian life is meant to be this closer to perfection, halo around your head, you never mess up, like that is so not reality. But many times when we think that way, we never ask for help from God. And so listen, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of a sin that you committed in the past, but you still feel that sin with you, like you're still carrying it around, can I tell you? It's not the sin you're carrying, it's shame you're carrying. Because when you ask Jesus to forgive you, guess what he does? He doesn't play games with you. He forgives you. He forgives you. He wipes the slate clean. But then it's us that want to hang on to it and let it be the, 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 the cross we're bearing and the shame. Why wear something that Jesus wore on the cross? Jesus wore all your shame on the cross. He bore it all, all your sin. So when you receive him and you invite him to wash your sin away, the stuff that, the stuff that basically says, I want to be my own God. I want to be my own king. I want to do it my way. That's sin. That's sin. I know the Bible says this, but I feel this way. I want it to be this way. I, I, I'm on the throne. That's sin. That's sin. Anything. Put it in any category. Financial. I know we're talking about tithe. Ah, the church is just after the tithe. I'm going to do it things my way. Ah, that's sin. The sin. Put God first. Follow the word. Trust him. But then when you carry shame with you and you've asked for forgiveness, that's wrong. And you're, you're wearing something you're never designed to, to wear. So it's not in your notes, but write it down. We'll we'll never believe God's grace is sufficient for us until we believe we are insufficient. That you can't pick up yourself from your own spiritual bootstraps all the time. That you can't just fake it till you make it. You can't just bite your bottom lip hard enough. You can't just go to enough church services. You're insufficient. You're You're not enough. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. And because of who he is, You can know what sufficiency is. You can know what grace is. You can boast in the weaknesses and still find hope in the middle of your struggle. Final verse, for the sake of Christ then, Paul says, I'm content with weaknesses. I'm gonna have them. Uh, There's gonna be insults come my way. People said things to you that so insulted you and you know what's even worse than that. They said something to you that insulted you and they don't even know they said it. They are oblivious that they hurt you, and they, you, you've been carrying it since seventh grade. And you see him, hi, Cindy. <laughs> and then you go cry in the bathroom because of what she said, insulted you. She doesn't even know it. Persecutions, calamities, calamities. I, this last two weeks, there have been calamities in the in the church. Stuff that shouldn't happen that's happened. A child dies unexpectedly. Another child is in a terrible accident and is struggling in the hospital with with complications from that. Loved ones pass away. People are sick. People didn't didn't meet your expectation at Christmas and you thought you weren't gonna fight this year and you did. And all these things that we can't control that just happen, we, we figure out That Paul says, back to it, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So what we need is not just to boast in our weaknesses and ask for help because he will give grace where you need grace. But then we want to invite the strength of Jesus into our lives because you're not strong enough. I don't care how tough you think you are. You're not strong enough. And so what you have to do is receive that strength daily, Daily, consistently, I am going to make it a consistent part of our life that we are in church for soul care with my family. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it happen. You're gonna miss some? Yeah, I'm gonna miss some. My boy plays baseball. We got tournaments. They happen on Sunday. I'm a real family. I can't believe a pastor let his son miss a Sunday. Oh, get over it. But I can't be inconsistent with other things and think that that's gonna be okay. Okay. If all of a sudden I become so consistent in baseball that it takes the primary spot that church should take, I'm in trouble because small things over time lead to big things. You think keeping your kids out of church weeks at a time isn't gonna lead to big things? Do you think having your kids in church every week in in an environment where they learn about Jesus and his character and his conduct in a way that they understand you you think that over time that's going to produce some big things in them yeah consistency it compounds and here's the promise we had a principle we had a problem that's the weakness wake-up call but here's the promise write it down when god's strength consistently meets my weakness i grow i grow Can I tell you, if the only way you deal with frazzled emotions is uncorking the bottle at night, that small thing is gonna lead to big things. Jesus has a better solution for your emotions. He has a better solution. If you just saying what you're gonna say, bless God, because you're gonna say it because they need to hear it, those words over time, are going to produce some big things in your relationships. But when I'm weak and God's strength consistently meets that weakness, I grow. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was, and I can grow. And I'm not out here trying to get you to take 20 steps today, but let's all take a next step together. Let's grow together. Let's get better in 2020. Let's just get better. Oh, let's get, let's get better as, as stewards of every, everything you have is God's. Let's get better at stewardship. Every relationship is there for a reason. Let's get better with relationships. We want to help you get better. We want to resource you. You can talk to our campus pastor. You can talk to our venue pastors. You can go to Cafe Rome on the Lufkin location and get some resources to help you get better. We want to help you with the Timber Creek app. Get better. We want to give you the, the tools that it's going to take to just Over time, that we boast, we say, Oh man, me too, I'm struggling with that too. That we ask for help daily. Because Jesus said in that scripture we read at the very beginning no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. Seize the day. And can I tell you something? The day to seize is this one it's this one and if you've been running from god today is the day to seize the forgiveness of jesus if you have been carrying hurt and wounds today is the day to seize the care and compassion of jesus if you have been riddled with shame and disappointment And you think God's mad at you. Today's the day to seize the good news. He's not mad at you. He's crazy about you. He's a good dad. Good gifts for his kids. So we could pray a whole lot of prayers in 2020. I'm just inviting you that starting this year off, would you pray this prayer with me? All locations, would you just internalize this prayer just this, just just today just today and then tomorrow can you wake up and just just pray that prayer tomorrow morning and then tuesday can you just pray that prayer and see what god does consistently over time because there was a moment in peter's life where he was unwilling to stand up When Jesus was arrested, Peter denied him. He thought he'd never do it. He thought he'd never. He was like that guy in the first verse. He's like, I'll follow you wherever, whenever. I'll die for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And it was true. Peter was committed, but he wasn't consistent. But then... Over time, trusting in Jesus, following Jesus, hearing Jesus, being empowered by the Spirit of Jesus, Peter stands up, and in one day, he announces good news, and 3,000 people are added to the kingdom of God. He was once a denier, but then he proclaimed, Jesus changes everything. So the prayer I'm inviting you to pray consistently, Lord, I need you, please give me your strength for today. Lord, I need you, please give me your strength for today. If that's you and you've never invited Jesus to be the center of your life, you can pray that prayer. And I would invite you right in this moment, you don't even have to close your eyes, you don't have to bow your head. We do that a lot, but you don't have to. But if you determine in your heart, I'm gonna believe he is who he says he is. And starting today, I'm I'm going to try. I'm weak. Good. Boast about it. You know what? When we pray, God, I can't do it, but you can. You're boasting in your weakness. And he is pouring grace over you right in this moment. Would you just, God, I've been my own king. I've been my, my own savior. I'm done. That makes me weak. I surrender to you. Do you have grace for me today? I need your strength. Will you forgive me? Will you wash my sin away? Boast in it. Get the grace. Get his strength. It's available today. Receive it today. And then tomorrow, walk in that and pray. At our locations right now, our worship team at Nacogdoches and you guys at Duncan and Dieball, you're going to join us in right here in the Lufkin location. I'm going to invite all of us where we are to stand where you are, but stay where you are. And we're going to pray this song together. We're going to pray the words of this song as we worship. Then I'll give you more direction. Let's pray this with Pastor Cody and right there in Nacogdoches. Lord, I come and I confess, bowing here I find my rest. And without you I fall apart, for you're the one that guides my